Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Acknowledged Dogs podcast, hosted by yours truly, Michael Aceta, owner of Matador Canine Brilliance and the author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. I want to start off by thanking you for joining me today and learning more about yourself, your dog, and how you can build a stronger relationship so you can have the freedom to do what you want to do with your dog without punishing them and without worrying that something bad's going to happen. We're going to skip the announcements today and jump straight into our topic, which is crate training. Why do I want to talk about crate training? More recently, I've had a lot of clients reaching out saying my dog needs to be crate trained or they don't like the crate and I need to leave and everyone says I should use the crate and I don't know what I'm doing. Why doesn't my dog like it? There is plenty of reasons as to why your dog may not like it, but we can't get hung up and focused on why our dog doesn't like doing something. This is what everybody does. Every owner, every trainer wants to figure out what the root problem is. It's part of our nature. It's like being a detective, right? Think about Batman. Batman goes out to fight crime. He might not care the backstory, the history, the early experiences as to why that criminal does what they do. What he cares about is vengeance. He cares about stopping them from doing what they're doing. And then he handles it with the police and lets them figure out the rest. But he stops them from doing the bad act. Our goal as dog owners and trainers is to teach our dogs the new skills to cope with whatever they're coping with without really concerning ourselves with the past. Yes, it can be important. Oh, well, why does my dog chew up the carpet? Maybe it's anxiety related. Okay, we found out the cause, but we don't need to know the root cause of where their anxiety came from, why they are so wired up and and spun out all the time. That part doesn't necessarily matter, although as people, we anthropomorphize and we want to understand more about our dog. If you don't know what anthropomorphizing is, please look it up in the dictionary. There's no problem with looking something up in the dictionary because you don't know, but I'll give you the short skinny of it here now. Anthropomorphizing is when we put human emotions and personas onto things that aren't human, so like dogs. Anthropomorphized. Mickey Mouse is an anthropomorphized mouse. He doesn't have any qualities by himself as a mouse, but when you put a persona of a human on him, now he has the Disney characteristics, right? Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. So... When we're talking about crate training, most of the time I get the excuse of, well, I don't want my dog to be upset in the crate. They were at a shelter, so I don't want to remind them of the shelter. Um, They used to be abused and thrown into the crate. Or I use the crate as punishment, and now they don't like it. All of those things have value to them at a certain level. But if we're going to teach our dog to like the crate, we have to start from a clean slate. You have to start fresh. You have to pretend that your dog has never met the crate before, and you have to handle what's going on in that moment. So if I'm going to teach a dog a crate, I'm going to pretend that there's nothing going on. They don't know what the crate is. They've never seen one. They've never been inside one. And I'm going to start from the beginning. 
First couple of days, breakfast and dinner are going to be in the crate. I put the food in. My dog then goes into the crate. Super simple. Beyond that, the question is, well, how do I get them to go in the crate before the food? This is where timing and having a good sequence comes in handy. Right? We talk about the ABC triangle and other podcasts. We talk about how important timing is and making sure our dog isn't picking up on things that we don't want them to pick up on. Right? So in most cases, what you might have to do is get your dog to go in and then give them the food. But we don't want to do that right away. One, our dog is going to be forced to go in because we're going to get frustrated and probably pick them up and put them in. And two, they still don't know what we're doing. Unless you know how to do free shaping, where you can mark and reward for small increments towards the crate, don't try to do that here. Breakfast and dinner in the crate. They go in, they get fed. They get their breakfast and dinner. Awesome. We start to build a positive association with the crate. We're not closing the door. We're not doing anything. Now, this might take a couple days to build a positive association. Some people have a problem with that. They say, well, I want it done today. That's not how training works. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be real with you. That's not how training works. If that was how training worked, I would be out of a job. It would be so easy and so simple that trainers wouldn't need to exist to help guide owners, and owners could just do all of this on their own, which you can, but you need someone to guide you through the process and be real with you. I'm being real with you right now. You cannot crate train a dog unless it is a very specific dog and they have no prior history. You can't fully crate train a dog to love being in the crate in one session, in two sessions, in three sessions. You might be able to do it in a day, two days, if you really know what you're doing and you have a very systematic format. But on average, the, the average person has other things going on in their life and cannot dedicate the amount of energy, resources, and mental capacity and time into training a dog to love the crate in a short period of time. So the thing I'm talking about right now, the method I'm talking about right now is to help you have a reliable introduction to the crate where your dog loves going into the crate. So breakfast and dinner every day. If you feed three times a day, great, three times a day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner should all be in the crate. You can even break up breakfast into multiple sections, multiple tinier meals, so that they go in, they get their food, they come back out going, where the hell's the rest of my food? Then you put more food in there, and now they, they're getting good repetition in. You do the same thing for lunch, you do the same thing for dinner. The more you can build a strong association between going in and enjoying it, right, getting rewarded for going in, the easier it will be to transition to the next step. The next step here is to almost trick your dog into going in when there's no food. So you might put the food down. They start to go in. Great. Now, once they're in there, you put food behind them. So then they go, oh, awesome. When I go in, food comes in. And we repeat that process. So now for the next two or three days, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you're going to walk over to the crate. They're going to anticipate breakfast or lunch or dinner, the meal time. And they're going to go in super excited. They rush in. Now you put the food down. What have we taught them? Going into the crate, one is a positive association. Number two, leads to food, leads to rewards. Do that for a couple days. Now we're going to start spacing out when they go in versus when they eat. So you might walk up to the crate. They rush in. Now you wait, you go 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, 4, 1,000, 5, 1,000. Then you put the food down. 
Now, at no point during this time have you said the word crate. You haven't added the word because our dog does not know the behavior. And if our dog doesn't know a behavior, we can't tell them to do it. This is another small, small, (laughs) I emphasize small because it's not really small, it's huge, problem that so many owners and trainers do. You cannot add the word unless your dog knows the thing. If I go into the car with you and I'm trying to teach you how to drive, and I said, okay, press the accelerator, and you've never heard the gas pedal called an accelerator, you're going to hesitate, at least for a moment. Then you might go, oh, he probably means the gas pedal. Let me put my foot on the gas pedal. But if I spoke in a different language, I don't know any words that say accelerator in any other languages, but let's say I did. Let's say I said the German word for accelerator. You're going to look at me very confused because you don't know what I'm asking for. And if you don't know what I'm asking for, even though you might know the skill, you might understand, there is no association between what I say and what you do. You just have no clue. So we have to set apart time to teach that cue, right? That word that means this new thing and the association to the behavior. So for crate training, once once you can walk up to the crate and they are rushing in and you are guaranteed that they will run into the crate every time you are near it, now you can start to add in the word. So you start to add in the word right before they go into the crate. For one of my dogs, the word is box and for the other dog, it's kennel. So I could use either of those, depending on which dog I'm working on. You could say crate, box, kennel, house, home, bed, whatever you want to say. Say that, then they go in. Great. Now they got rewarded for responding to the cue because they got rewarded for going in in response to the cue. Repeat that over and over and over again. Now, this is where it gets tricky for most dog owners. If you rush this process... If you, I'm going to emphasize this. If you rush this process, they will not trust going in the crate. If we do not have trust going into the crate, we can't have a dog that reliably goes in the crate and enjoys it. So if I were to put my dog in and slam the door shut, now we've lost trust. I have to train this. I have to teach my dog it's okay for me to close the door, and then I will open the door again. It's okay for you to hang out in there and enjoy being in there without me nearby. This is insanely difficult for owners to grasp. Training and real life are not two separate things. They are the same thing. If you do something in training and then completely change the rules in real life, your dog will think that they are two different things. They'll go, oh, well, when we're practicing with the crate, I love it. And I can tell that we're practicing because mom's got treats and we're going to go slow and she's going to make sure I'm comfortable. But then once the treats are gone and she takes the treat pouch off, she throws me in there, closes the door and leaves. I hate that part. So what has our dog learned? The crate doesn't actually mean everything we're trying to make it mean. Now, what does this mean for you? Most cases, you're in a pickle. You're in a tough situation here. And I get it because it's happened to so many clients and that they're frustrated. They're struggling. Well, I got to get my dog to like the crate in the next 24 hours. Otherwise, I'm going to get kicked out of my apartment. This was not the time to start teaching your dog the crate. You have to teach your dog the crate. One of the first things you do when you come home. The first thing I did when I got my first dog, I was 16 years old. Got a dog named Breezy. She was a lab pointer. The first thing we did was pick up a a crate, a kennel. Before even picking up the dog, I had to get a kennel. I got the kennel. 
It was way too big at the time. Got the kennel. Then we got the dog. Brought her home. And the first three nights, she slept in the crate. I was steadfast on teaching her, you have to get used to the crate. You have to be comfortable being in there. If you're not comfortable being in there, there's going to be a problem. You're going to chew things. You're going to ruin the furniture. You're going to freak out. You're going to bark. You're going to do all these things. And there's some safety issues with a crate, right? With a crate, I can manage situations. If there's unsafe environments going on, I can put my dog in a crate and make sure that they're safe. Number two, traveling. A lot easier to travel with a dog in a crate than have them loose in the car. Also safer, depending on the crate that you have. So all of these things mattered so much to me at 16 years old, and I was steadfast on doing it to my dog right in the beginning. Now, as we've gotten older, she has no problem with the crate. She can travel with me and my other two dogs wherever we go. I can bring her to the vet and not have a worry. Like all of those things are easier because I took the time right from the beginning. So if you have the opportunity, if you haven't bought a dog yet and you're listening to this podcast trying to educate yourself, congratulations. Kudos to you. Before you go get your dog, ask for a couple days off from work. I know that sounds like a lot. If you just got a puppy, ask for a couple days off from work. This is going to help you set a very strong foundation. I don't understand why owners and trainers don't take a week off. Just request a week off to fully train your dog. And no, you're not going to be able to fully train your dog in a week. But you can get pretty damn close. Take two weeks off if you must. Wouldn't that be something? Instead of a board and train where you send your dog to somebody else for two weeks, why don't you take two weeks off? Fully dedicate yourself to training your dog, get them up to speed, do everything you need to do, and then you won't have to worry for the rest of your dog's life. Do that. Be that fanatical about training your dog and having the freedom that you want to have. Be that obsessed with it to where you tell your employer, hey, I got a puppy, I need to take two weeks off. That's how you know someone is serious about having a well-trained dog, a well-behaved dog, a dog that doesn't give them problems, a dog that can go places when they want to go places. And sure, you know, throughout the two weeks, you might not want to train your dog every single day. That's okay. You don't have to enjoy it to get it done, right? I'm sure my dog would much rather go chase after a squirrel. But because I worked on recall, he knows that it's in his best interest to run back to me. I'm not going to punish him. But he's not going to catch the squirrel. So if he runs back to me, he will get something. So he might not enjoy every single repetition, but for the most part, he will. He will enjoy coming back to me. He will enjoy foregoing the other thing, watching Netflix, going out with friends, whatever it is for you. Disregard that thing and focus on your dog for two weeks. Get them crate trained to where now when you do go back to work, they're okay with it. They have no problem with you leaving. They're okay with it. They're accustomed to it. But if you don't go through the process of teaching them the crate, if you don't go through the process of building a positive association in the way that you need to, your dog is going to be stressed and it's going to exacerbate every other issue. Oh, well, my dog barks at any sound outside, especially when I'm not here. Yes, because they're already stressed that you're not here. The, the levels of stress in most cases are so high that the slightest trigger makes them explode. I don't want to see a dog at that level of stress for hours on end because you're at work. That's not safe for the dog. 
It diminishes their quality of life, diminishes their longevity of life, just like people. People that are very stressed out do not live very long. People who are very mellow and relaxed live a very long time. I would like to have my dogs live for a very long time. I don't want to stress them out for their entire life. That's not the goal. My goal is to put them under structured stress in a training situation to get to a means to an end, right? So I might I might hold them back in a recall exercise so that they're stressed so they want to run to me so that when I give them the recall word, they run a little bit faster because I think it's important to have my dogs stop what they're doing, run directly to me, regardless of distractions going on. That's a small amount of stress that I'm willing to impose on a training session just to get a very reliable, strong recall. That's important to me. And I'm only doing it for a short period of time. Right? If I can only do it for a short period of time and easily phase it out, wonderful. But if I don't do it, if I don't do it for a short period of time and I don't focus on it, it's going to take a lot longer to do and I have to add more stress. Right? Think about a recall. If I impose a small amount of stress like that and my dog gets through it and I reward them, one, it's going to build their confidence. Number two, I get a really reliable recall. But if I don't do that, if I don't focus on that, and all of a sudden, a couple months go by and I get fed up. My dog's not recalling. Let's say an owner calls another trainer and says, hey, you know, my dog's not recalling. I got to do this. And, and they're running out the front door and I'm panicking and I'm stressed. That trainer might say, well, you've tried this other training. Let's put an e-collar on the dog. Now I'm imposing a lot more stress on my dog because there's a failure on the beginning stages of training. That owner failed that dog. Same thing with the crate. Don't wait until there's a problem to shove your dog in there. Don't build a negative association because you want to punish them. Throwing your dog in a crate for punishment is probably one of the worst things you could possibly do. Anything you do that creates a negative association, especially while trying to build a positive association, is detrimental to your progress. Oh, well, I, you know, I give my dog all these kind of treats and all this stuff in the crate, but then I also use it as punishment. Why would you do that? That makes no sense. That makes zero sense. That's like me giving you a dollar as positive reinforcement every time you did something, and then a $100 bill I just slap across your face when you do something wrong. You'll be like, what the hell? You're going to get confused. There isn't consistency there. There needs to be consistency. And there needs to be a positive association built first. You can use it later, not as a punishment. But if you need to put your dog away because you're frustrated, you can tell your dog to go to the crate. And they will because of how positively reinforced it is. And you can close it and now you can cool off and calm down. I've done it when my dogs did something bad when we first had them. If they chewed up something or they went in the garbage or whatever it was. I just said, hey, great. I can't deal with you right now. Right? It's like sending a kid to their room. Not as a punishment sending to their room but you're going to have guests over, right? You're, you're, you're having a, a, a dinner party or something and you want your son or your daughter or the kids to have their kids table, right? You have a dinner party. They have the kids table. They're over there. They're occupied doing their thing. So you can focus on what you need to focus on, which is being a good host. It's all about planning. If you don't plan these things, if you don't have a structure in place, you're subject to spontaneity in the wrong kind of way. You just have to wait for your dog to do something bad in order to 
figure out what you need to do, and then you're scrambling around, and then you resort to anything that is the easiest, which is most likely the worst. Stay training. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening.